So I, I should probably just tell this story because it's been in my brain and I need to get it out. The, mm-hmm. I've been making a miso soup at home, like from scratch, like making the Weed. dashi broth. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, I found out that you could take the leftover kombu and bonito flake and turn it into uh, furikake, which is uh, you know rice seasoning. Uh-huh. And every time I think of the word furikake, I my brain thinks it's a portmanteau of furious bukkake. Every oh single God. time. So now every time I'm like sprinkling a little bit on my eggs or something, I'm just thinking like. <laughs> Just putting uh, some furious bukkake on my eggs. Don't talk about my upcoming Steam adult-themed light rail shooter. <laughs> light rail is a great... That's the touch that makes it <laughs> uh-huh. delicious. Yeah. Uh, Elon Musk has to be in that, right? Uh. <laughs> well, when you rail too hard... You go into a hyperloop. Listening to Boku No Stop, an anime podcast that will never reveal details about its clients. I'm your host, Fletcher Arnett, and with me is Chris and Matt. And today we are talking about episodes seven through ten of Monster. Just a quick Man, I could have used this last time on before we uh before I watched. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh been like a month. Yeah, uh, the reason that this has taken so long to make it to your ears, dear listener, is we did wait to start releasing things until after Chris moved. Yeah, fuck you, I was busy. Reason You don't pay for this, eat my asshole. I mean, some (laughs) of them do. Some of them would pay to see your asshole. (laughs) Also true, take it from me. Last time, the paths When you pay for this, you'll find out those didn't come out either. (laughs) That's... Last time, the paths of Dr. Kenzo Tenma and Inspector Heinrich Lunge cross once more as Tenma's patient, a man named Junkers, is linked to the serial killings of Johann Liebert, now grown. The lad lets Tenma live, a life saved for a life saved, but discovering his noble sacrifice those years ago has led to such horrors breaks the doctor, and he begins traveling Germany trying to stop the monster. Meanwhile, a college student named Nina Fortner begins receiving strange emails from a secret admirer, and on the eve of her 20th birthday, she goes to meet him, only to be dragged into a plot of menace and murder, saved at the last second by Tenma. The pair then rush back to her family, and we pick up with episode 7, House of Tragedy. I wonder what happens in this one. I feel like that (laughs) does say quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) So they had a great birthday party, is what I'm taking away from this. Real rager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very sad that it's over. That's what the title's about. Yep. Because when the pair arrive, the lights are off and nobody's responding to Tenma Knox. And you know what that means. Surprise party. <laughs> the door opens, and within moments, both of them are speechless because both parents and the reporter are dead on the ground in the living room. Uh, Tenma, Tenma has a breakdown right here he's he's trying in vain to revive the three people who are not breathing in their own blood and he even starts begging more you don't have to quit smoking anymore please trying to just fit a coffin nail in the newspaper man's mouth it doesn't go well oh man he deserves it it, that's what you get for getting filtered lucky strikes in a soft pack it it was 1996 in germany no no (laughs) like Uh, this this is intense though I don't understand anyone who gets a soft pack. What is the matter with you? We sold them all the time at my former job, and the big thing is they were people who tended to have their own cases. Why? That's weird. They come in cases. You're an asshole. <laughs> but some of them come in soft cases. They were dirt old. By They only come in soft cases by request, unless you're getting unfiltered, which are for the 80-year-olds. And to me, I guess. 
Some of them were. I remember the guys who would buy the camel, whatever the hell the Arabian packaging one was. Non-filters. Those taste like yeah. ass. They are so bad. I would friggin' look, imagine. Look, I, I've only bought cigarettes once, and uh, they were uh, black cloves. So those aren't cigarettes. <laughs> I have no input there. Asshole. I know that was kind of the point. Tell me more about the one time you smoked Dijarums in college as an affectation. I did not do it as an affectation. Mm, okay. I feel like it's impossible to smoke Dijarums and not have it be an affectation. Yeah. Unless you're like an Indian cab driver. <laughs> in which case, tell me about the gin that took your anal virginity. Hell yeah. Maybe in a uh, patron bonus episode. Okay. So uh, Nina's reaction is a different sort of frantic because she just starts screaming, I killed him over and over before. I'm sure I killed my brother that day. And uh, she falls down. So as Tenma's trying to get Nina out the door, they're greeted by two detectives. Someone placed a call earlier over some noise. So the detectives say that they're going to get a team out right away for the crime scene, but they need to take the two down to the station to get some statements. Uh, they're in the car. There's a bunch of small talk, but then Tenma is suddenly suspicious. The uh, Heidelberg police station is in the center of town, but they just left the city limits. And the detective's excuse is that we're going to take you to the next precinct over where we're from. Here's an editing note for me. Cut in the score from uh, nine minutes on episode seven, the background track. Oh, it's so good, especially the way it like um, is clearly like written to the screen and syncs up with the lights passing overhead. Really good shit. Yeah. It's excellent, and it's also so good that I want it under this whole discussion of this. So, the suspicion only increases while they keep driving, and Tenma sees blood on one of the detectives' coats. As they're driving, they hit a police checkpoint, and that leads to them pulling over for a quick stop. Um, the police officers there appear to recognize them, so Tenma realizes they're real detectives, which is uh, worse for them, because they can't go to the police for help. And Tenma asks if they can step out of the car for a moment so Nina can get some air. Um, Tenma still really can't get over the paranoia of who called this in. The line was cut. Uh, he turns to ask the detectives, how did you know to come? And one of them calls him Dr. Tenma. And he's like, well, I only gave you my name, not that I'm a doctor. And he just grabs Nina and they both just fucking jump over the bridge into the river. Um... And one of the things that I really appreciate is that the control of information in a scene and dialogue is very well controlled and used for plot. Yeah. This series has some uh, puzzle box plotting at times, and it's fascinating. Yeah, and like, he, you know, Tenma's also thinking like, all right, they just left a crime scene with no one there. Yeah, who would Like, they didn't even wait for backup to show up. Like, there was a lot of little red flags that sort of added up together up to that breaking point. I feel like taking people away from a crime scene where there's no indication of who did it is actually a major red flag. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, they don't even do the whole, like, oh, you're a suspect because you're alive and they're dead. (laughs) And at no point did they even ask them, like, are you responsible for this or, like, their story because they're too shell-shocked to respond anyway. So they, it just feels, like, very suspicious that the first thing they do is like, all right, let's get into a car and then leave town. Uh, extremely. Yeah, it's a it's a very good scene, and they don't call it out until they're trapped in the car, which is probably the best detail there. Mm-hmm. Tenma is not a criminal mastermind. Tenma is not a man who lives in the underworld. Tenma is a guy who is way in over his head, and that makes for a great protagonist. Yeah. And is in shock right now. The next morning, both are soaked and have crawled out downstream uh, near a small shed. Tenma has uh, snuck into town to get a change of clothes and some meager food. Shoutouts to the shed, not near any other house. Clearly abandoned. What up with that? (laughs) And it looks like there's stuff in it. Like, I expected an altercation with like whoever owns this property, but that just doesn't happen. Or like a bear. I don't know. This is one of those times where I do kind of wish there were some translator or localization notes because maybe there's an excuse for this in 1996 Germany, but the manga makes no effort to explain. It's just like, that would make sense. Right. right. And also like, this isn't 
they couldn't have been that far away from where they jumped into the river. And so you'd think that cops would be crawling over town. Like, going into town would have been, like, kind of a big deal here. And they don't show it at all. Well, that was interesting. So there is um, later when Tenma gets to the police precinct before the detectives, that carries mm-hmm. the implication that the two, the whole police station isn't in on it. It's just these two detectives. And right. they arrived later because they were looking for them by themselves, which is why they didn't necessarily get found and right. why it was safe to go into town until then. That's yeah, I can I could buy that. But also I could see from at least Tenma's perspective, like at least the paranoia of I don't know how many of these cops are in on it or like whether or not, you know, getting involved with any of the cops would mean he gets funneled to those two guys eventually. Well, so I don't know. I, by the I, way, I just I thought that was interesting. Love how everybody hates the cops in these episodes. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, this does turn into the fugitive. It turns out Tenma can't really go to the cops ever. Yeah, that that seems to be the trend. So Nina uh, has started to remember some of her time uh, when before she was Nina, when she was a kid. And uh, she talks about how the twins crossed the border uh, alone and a couple found them. Uh, and then how later on the, the couple was dead and this was a pattern that continued. So, so I guess the takeaway here is that the Lieberts were not their parents. They were just another set of guardians uh, because I guess Johan just keeps killing their guardians. (laughs) Yep. Over and over and over again. Um, But yeah, when they get to the, she, she talks about that night too, in the West German manner where she saw Johan uh, kill those, uh, kill the Lieberts, and and everyone on the staff. In was were there staff people in the house too? I thought it was just the two of them that were dead. No, there were there were at remember. least four bodies we see. I just presume those are staff. I don't think anyone mentions. Okay. Yeah, everyone else is dead. Uh, Anna manages to take the gun and points it at Johan and. Johan smiles at her and says, be sure to throw the gun outside afterwards and make sure you aim for my head. Which is like, holy shit. Again, he is eight. (laughs) Just fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She has a breakdown uh, asking Tenma why he, uh, why did he save Johan? Why he couldn't just let him die instead of her parents and the whole nine. And he comforts her for a moment, but then uh, tells her to hide. Uh, He's going to go to the police and he's going to come back with help. So he still thinks he might be able to get the police to help him out. But as he is going to the station, as we mentioned before, uh, there's a crowd of uh, reporters and he's trying to push his way through. Uh, He he could also tell that... uh, from what the uh, like the head police guy who's just sort of out in front sort of corralling these people uh, that they're not really in on it. But before he can get there, uh, the two detectives show up and uh, they talk to the chief and the chief, you know, greets him warmly. And he's like, oh, no, <laughs> they are really legit. And this is going to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, so what he decides to do instead uh, is go to the Heidelberg Post. Yeah, he gives them an anonymous tip that says, do not tell the police. I've got a key witness for you. I will bring them by at 5 p.m. Imagine living in a time when you could trust a newspaper reporter. (laughs) You know, you could probably play that card just because, hey, I know the guy who killed your boss. Well, that's true. It is the same paper, actually. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the angle he works. Hey, I've got a, I've got a witness to those murders. Don't tell the cops. And he goes back to the shed because he's like, Nina, I've got a plan. But Nina has left. She has put together two sandwiches for him and a note saying that she, she understands. She forgives him. There's no way that a man like Tenmo wouldn't have tried to save her brother, but... She just asks that he keep saving as many lives as he can. 
So on a train out of town, he wonders where she's gone. Like, is she just going to go end her brother? What's what's happening to Anna? And elsewhere in town, Lunge has arrived. Despite heading up the elderly couple's serial murder case, he's instead barging in on the Heidelberg Castle murder, finding the lack of the rope on the body a little suspicious given the burns around the guy's wrists. He then goes to the scene of the crime, checks possible escape routes, and finds Tenma's tie in the bushes. Well, it's not really, like, totally out of the blue that he would be there because the serial killings have been all over uh, Germany, and it is uh, acceptable that he would be there for the Fortners. Well, here's the thing. This is suspicious because... Everyone is going, aren't you working the case? Is the Fortner thing related? And he instead goes for the murder across town that could not be done by the same guy as Oh, sure. I'm just saying that's like his, I'm just saying that's his premise for being there initially. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. My guess is also, you know, you had uh, Junkers, who was an accomplice, uh, you know, he he was murdered, you know, around the time, really obviously after the, the last couple that got killed. So I, I would imagine that for, from Lungi's perspective, you see two bodies show up the same night, and one of them, the uh, guy was clearly tied up. Uh, there's possibly, he, you know, there's the possibility that this guy was also an accomplice. And it, chances are this guy was also a career criminal and had a record. So maybe he looked up, realized this was another career crim- uh, criminal and said, okay, he must be connected. It's just an odd move that, He's not investigating right. what is literally yeah. his case. Yeah, yeah. That's no, all he's, I'm trying to point he's, out. He's poking around at the part that is the, I guess, the less obvious one. Yeah. And that takes us to episode eight, Pursued. I think there's a couple of actual clip show episodes throughout, but this is a half clip show. There's new content, but most of these episodes adapt two plus chapters of the manga and this is just one with a lot of flashbacks yeah there's a lot i I noticed the the lot of flashbacks in this particular episode and i was thinking like i didn't think it was a clip show like it's not framed in that way but you could definitely tell they saved on a lot of uh, time it's it's mixed in well right so yeah the perspective of this episode is about uh ava and there's like her clearly waking up after a drinking binge and then she looks at a photograph of her and Tenma and then it flashes back to like all the ways that like she fucked up fucked that up and so while it is a clip show because it's easy for you to have forgotten about Ava at this point it's like really well done and presented as like Ava's interior thoughts yeah also we do skip over a cold open of Tenma has returned to work at the hospital oh sure we're just discussing the clip show um So after Tenma comes back and returns to work, we uh, cut to Ava, as discussed, who is passed out drunk and alone in a house she uh, has clearly trashed last night. As she wakes from a dream of Tenma, she's pouring herself another glass when Inspector Lungay barges in to the house past her servant. Uh, Ava's not doing amazing. Lungay makes a comment on how, despite everything, her surroundings have grown even more garish, and she tells him that if he sees anything he likes, he can take it, saying, as long as I've got my liquor by my side, I'm happy. And she reveals that she's maintained this comfort through her inheritance and a string of successful divorces. Uh, the exact <laughs> successful quote Successful is... divorces? Yeah, the exact quote is, I took them all to the cleaners. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she... She has definitely gotten to the point where she only finds herself with one type, and the instant someone crosses her, they are just another payday. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the question is, would she have done that? Had she gotten married to Kenzo? No. Yeah, I don't think that would... I mean, he would not have done anything to trigger that. But then again, I, I'm sort of wishy-washy what they're trying to do with her character like how straight up evil is she versus how much is she sympathetic well i think play around with that a little bit i think what her deal with tenmo was is that she was initially she told herself she was in for the money and then realizes later that she did actually come to love him and that this is sincere because i think the the way they frame it here is that he was the only one that was sincere about 
her. Correct. And she was going, she was just doing her normal MO, like, you know, her get ahead no matter what. You know, she was, she's a bit of a star fucker, right? Like, she wants somebody who has a lot of status and a lot of money. And then she realized once she ended up getting that for real, that it was unsatisfying, but she kept doing that because that's the only way she knows how to operate. Right. Well, also, it's the only way she can keep living like she does. That's also true. She does not want to work. Daddy's money runs out when you're that young. So how do you keep paying for the nice house in the middle of the city and getting more and more men of the quality that you think you deserve? I mean, Tenma really, you know, going back to that flashback where you first meet her uh, in uh, Tenma's apartment, like it should have been such a red flag to him that she was like, I need you to be really successful so I can keep living the way I want to. <laughs> well, you that could be interpreted as a joke from the perspective of the show because that's the first time you really meet her. That That's true, but we find out quickly that is not the case. She was being sincere. Also, Tenma was a naive young man. The whole incident with the twins and the director and everything woke him up to a lot of the world he was enmeshed in and it it made him into the man he is today yeah it just goes back in in a ways to what we said in an earlier episode of like how did this relationship even get to that point (laughs) given the characters involved but yeah he would have to have been very very naive which is fine for the story yeah he still kind of is naive the dude is way in over his head but he's going to pursue this single-mindedly like he does pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. The, the weird thing is that I feel like none of the characters, at least that we saw nine years ago, look like they've aged at all. They don't really, I mean, that's kind of a tough thing to show in an anime style because like the ages between like 20 and like 50 tend to be drawn pretty much the same. <laughs> Tenma and Ava both get drawn harder in Tenma's case it's more bedraggled over time yeah Eva definitely looks harder yeah I mean she's definitely been uh living badly oh yeah but her face is much more angular now Uh, Tenma Mm -hmm. even comments you you look like you've lost weight so yeah so Lungie has uh one question uh there's this tie that he found at the scene of the murder at the end of the last episode and he said that he was he had a lot of trouble with it until he looked at it closely and realized that it's a very very well-made tie that was made from a very specific shop in a very limited run and that only certain clients would be able to order and found out that uh, she had her name on uh, like the VIP clients list at this shop and he asked her if she remembers uh, to whom she gave this tie and it's very clear that she recognizes it she knows who it is but she refuses to say uh telling him that she's given uh plenty of gifts to men and uh (laughs) and says uh you can come back and ask me more questions but uh bring some uh liquor next time Uh, lungay then goes to leave and sees the picture of uh tenma and ava on the floor Realizes he's getting nothing out of it and uh, excuses himself. I'm sorry. I appreciate how subtle the motivation for Lungay leaving there is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, this is an interesting way to adapt the manga where you just see panels of this, but the the direction guides you without spelling everything out pretty well. Yeah, there's, there's this one specific shot at the beginning of this scene where when she first looks at the photograph, she exhales a little bit and doesn't say anything, and then it just cuts to another shot. And I thought, like, that was a subtlety that you don't often see. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of little direct. It's economical in the way a movie of this type is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not something you often see oh. in anime. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, tends to be very over the top or like un- like there's an underlining of the point that tends to happen a lot. So very real talk. I think the fact that a lot of love and care was put into this series, but that it 
kind of struck out in sales or internationally. Again, we only got a single English language release of this in one market, and it's out of print virtually everywhere other than the manga. I think the fact that they put so much love into adapting this work and nobody bit is why nothing else by Urasawa once he enters this kind of era has been given the anime treatment. It's a bummer. Like, and that sucks. Literally all-time great. I would murder a man to see a adaptation of this level of Pluto. I think I've said it before. I think that's the best one-and-done story of his. It's so good. Until you find out about, like, Disney Clubhouse or whatever. Uh, Billy Bad is one. I don't know if that ever got a license. I need to look into that at some point. Not very ambiguous on the character of Billy there, are they? <laughs> it's, um... From what I've been told, it's basically... Uh, Urasawa doing a weird take on Batman. Weird. Like, that's Billy Bat. I'm very curious to see what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. Billy Bat. I just wonder what the hell that is. Well, we'll find out one day. Probably not. Probably. (laughs) Um, I feel like eventually they'll get to it. It's just got to have some weird wrinkle in licensing. So Ava proceeds to have her servant ready the car, and in a nice touch, uh, we cut to the front of the hospital where one vehicle is clearly parked uh, across the grass uh, under a tree. That's probably going to be the episode art. I love that shot so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she walks in and asks for Tenma, and the nurses are like, well, you know, okay, we'll try to get him. And when the doctors try to you know, get him, Tenma's like, I'm busy, I have rounds. And then he, uh, he sees her and he goes, okay, fine. And she tries to uh, sweet talk him with a bit of nostalgia. Like the, the, the awkwardness of the scene, I think, is very well done because they keep, yeah, they mention like, oh, did you lose weight? Oh, did you lose weight? And, and she goes, oh, I remember, you know, this time of year, 10 years ago that we did this. And, and Ted was just says like hey i have no time for this because like he said he was too busy making his rounds in the first place and this must have been (laughs) not only just extremely frustrating because it's her but extremely frustrating they had other things to do and so he he walks away again in a scene that is very reminiscent of the last time we saw her and uh she tries to chase after him again and uh turns vicious like pretty immediately Shouting, I, I kept quiet about your tie. Um, you, you just if you if you do what I tell you, I'll I'll protect you. The animation on she, her face is incredible because it like makes her like very disgusting. Like, do not physically. I know what you mean, but you know what I you know exactly what I mean. You're like, oh my god, what the fuck? What a horrible person! And you could tell the, just the like thing... the sheer disgust and contempt she has is like really well drawn. The, the mm. funny thing is that like. Even when she's being nice, I guess, or like trying to be friendly, like there's just something Seems about fake. the yeah, her expression in her eyes, like the way they draw they they draw her eyes in particular, looks very duplicitous, and it's one of those things that when she does turn, it sort of highlights that and sort of sharpens it even further. Yeah, they never don't draw her without sharp eyes. Was yeah. how I was going to put it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she's trying to blackmail him back into a relationship. <laughs> Fucking wild. Um, but he keeps walking on. And, uh, you know, she's shouting in the hallway. And all these people in the ward are are hearing this. Like, this is not a private thing anymore. And, you know, he, she straight up accuses him of killing her father. And saying you're also responsible for other deaths. And he just clams up. Yeah, he he keeps walking. He does not look back. Shout out yeah, to how there are like clearly like time. eight craniotomy patients in here. Like, my guy, what is going on in Germany? Like, <laughs> it's a it's brain a surgeon. City. Look, I just think it's very funny that the 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 sheer number of those compared to how uncommon it probably is. Like, probably maybe like one a week, two a week. But there's like ten dudes here all at once. It's very funny to me. 
Look, I, there I was an just... issue at the old folks' home. Everyone just fell onto rebar. <laughs> but Fletch, d- is there a point in this show where Tenma says, "Well, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out that"? <laughs> I don't remember. I would be very curious because I've started cutting between. You can't take the a-hole out of the anime podcast. I've started cutting between the dub, the sub, and the manga for a couple of scenes just to see how they localize Jesus it. Jesus fucking Christ. Look, There's he, only he one in this episode. I wanted to see how... Get your shit together. I wanted to see how they handled the German in different localizations. Look, That's I mean, it. Let's, do you do this for all the podcasts you're on? Do you literally spend all your time watching various versions of the same anime over and over again? It doesn't come up much outside of this show. It's not like I'm going, I'm going to watch the Japanese dub of the FF cutscenes. Now, no, it doesn't change much. <laughs> Xenosaga is localization and censorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just got to say, like, this podcast is basically <laughs> like a sicko, a pervert, and a liberal start a podcast. That's what this is. Yeah. And I don't know Dad which yourself. one of us is the sicko and which one of us is the pervert. <laughs> Are you for real? <laughs> Fuck off. You are the pervert. <laughs> uh, if you don't think you're the pervert, you're the pervert. Chris, you just right. mentioned that you, you you were sending screenshots that had your like <laughs> porn bookmark in it to your boss. It was on accident. <laughs> That's what happens when you get a monitor much wider than you're used to and you no longer have the overflow menu in your bookmarks bar. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But we hard cut out of the scene to... Oh. Wait, wait, oh, wait. Yeah. We can't walk away before acknowledging that Matt admitted he's a lib. Got him. <laughs> That's the whole bit, Chris. It's the whole no, bit. No, it's, it's not a bit. In every bit, there lies a kernel of truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at Louis I'm C.K. I'm willing to take that. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> love, love to hear jokes about masturbating next to a boiler from a chronic masturbator. Yeah. So to hard cut away from that, let's go to Ava <laughs> snitching to Lunge. Uh, the police immediately take up on this, because Lunge's like, oh, this is just what I needed. Uh, at the hospital, Tenma tenders his resignation to the director. He doesn't even wait to hear the response, and it's just in time, because the police do not show up in any subtle way. The police show up with a squad of cars, block every exit, and immediately begin canvassing the building for him. Somehow, except for the largest and most obvious one, where, like, the parking garage exit? Well, specifically what happens, and his patients stall the investigation a bit, they literally form a cordon in the hall and go, Dr. Tenma wouldn't do a damn thing. Yeah, yeah. The fucking shittiest Red Rover team of all time. I was thinking German Spider-Man, but... <laughs> you can't have the doctor. You won't take off his face mask. Uh, this is very funny when talking about Schwarzbruder earlier today. <laughs> Yo, Spider... Oh no, was Spider-Man like the OG OnlyFans? Oh yeah. What? He's selling pictures of himself. Yeah. Oh I yeah. I knew where you were going instantly. Mm. He was selling them to a weird I... old man. Anyhow. Uh, uh, Tenma gets out of the hospital because some of the ambulance drivers unknowingly smuggle him out as a ride to the gate. So we just take a hard cut to five months later. A truck driver is chatting up his passenger about the local news where a famous doctor supposedly killed an old couple in the city of Verdun. Hey, Fletcher, you have one guess about what I thought was extremely hilarious at this in this scene. Hmm. I don't know. It's when the driver goes, gonna be another scorcher. God. And you immediately damn. think about that fucking Sears commercial. <laughs> I don't think that line is in the manga, which is why that didn't come to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's the first thing he says. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, a famous doctor supposedly killed an old couple in the city of Verdun three days ago. The newspaper's photo is a young Kenzo Tenma. The passenger is a much more grizzled Tenma who's let his grooming go 
and they're going to Verdon. So we clearly know he didn't do this. But all he says is, yeah. I'm going to go see an old friend, although I don't know if he's still there. And the last shot of the episode is Tenma just cradling a gun inside his coat. It's good. Yeah. It takes us into episode nine, The Girl and the Veteran. It is, uh, we open on a rainy day. Lungay's voice is the first one we hear, recounting a storied military career. Shout out to this guy being in Mossad. Yep. Uh, I knew you were going to call it out. I, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I thought that too. Yeah. Special forces, this, this is guy, a... essentially. Uh-huh. Just doing a bunch of secret executions. Very cool. I mean, he, he, he's uh, a mercenary, right? Like, isn't that yes. re- specifically his deal? Yeah. That's how he transitioned this into is... just training anyone for wads of cash. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> it seems like a big waste to get like this incredibly talented marksman to just do executions. Uh, <laughs> like, are they like 500 feet away or what? I mean, the man um, probably uses something other than a pistol. We just never see it. Uh, this is our introduction to the veteran Hugo Bernhardt. Outside, a child is playing on the stairs of a police department. This is the girl. Uh, Lunge has a single question. Did a particular student of his, already a talent with a scalpel, show some kind of aptitude with a pistol? Bernhardt says he does not share information about his students, period. And then we flash back five months where Tenma arrives at Bernhardt's cabin, and this is going to be an uphill climb. The soldier has never trained a man who never handled a gun before, which seems fine since he tells them that they have to forget everything they know anyway. Yeah. It's just kind of funny after all that build up. It's like, wait, why Why are you coming to the world's best assassin expert? How did What's, you find you, the world's best assassin expert? Yeah. I guess did he you, advertises. Like, you don't want to You don't want to take a community college course or something? Just some fundamentals? Okay. Yeah, he has no other students at this time. Just this one guy. Wait. Do you, can you learn how to fire a gun at community college? Yeah. Do they have classes on Dude, that? Dude, the learning annex. I'm, you know, it doesn't surprise me that that is available in some places, but I've never seen it. I definitely took a firearms course. Shooting. No, oh, I, I believe you. So the first exercise uh, Hugo gives Tenma is uh, to jump rope, and he points to the child who's jumping rope, you know, just totally fine, you know, not breaking a sweat, and tells him to do it essentially for hours. Like, you see the sun go down before... Uh, he ends up stopping. The wording of this bullet point in our notes is very judgmental. Are you not aware that jumping rope is like a pretty intensive exercise? Oh, it's ridiculous. No, I'm incredibly aware. I have a jump <laughs> rope and do that, but Sorry, it's the. Fa- I just think it's funny that you said jump rope like the child nearby does. <laughs> no, no, it's that's literally the example he uses. Is the child is watching him? I was establishing uh-huh. she's in the scene. Yeah, but that he, makes it even funnier because it implies he doesn't know. He thinks Tenma doesn't know how to jump rope and needs a working example. Or, or like, Actually, that, like that is hilarious. Or or just telling <laughs> him like, oh, you got to do double dutch. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I kind of think he is implying Tenma doesn't know what the hell he's doing because he makes a comment about faster, faster. What are you doing? You're so slow. Yeah, I mean, this did make me buy a jump rope on Amazon. I I have a jump rope. It's great yeah, exercise. I, it's exhausting as hell. Oh yeah, I keep one. I just do it outside in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I don't know where our rower's power cord is and its magnetic resistance, so it doesn't work without it. And the total gym is behind boxes in the basement, so I have no exercise equipment. So now I have a jump rope. Yep. There you go. The, the thing with jump rope, though, is that, like, man, your shoulders and your forearms are just going to start, like, spasming if you're not, like, trained for it, if you're going to do it for that long. It's going to be yep. going to okay. have a bad time. It's like a good for, – for a normal person, it's like 20 minutes is a good yeah. one. Also, can we comment on how through this whole episode, Tenma looks like the Unabomber? Yeah. <laughs> he does. He's just wearing a gray track suit and some fucking trainers. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's also what Jeff Gersman looks like. I don't see Jeff much, so I will take your word. Well, look, I don't see Jeff much either, but all he talks about is liking track suits. All right. All right, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I got a baby in uh, a tracksuit. That's all I need in life. Sorry, honey. Hmm. Yeah. 
So Tenma does a lot of jump rope, and you know he he's exhausted. But the girl's still uh, watching him uh, as Hugo goes back into the house. Uh, she doesn't speak at all. At least I don't think she speaks at all in this episode. She does not speak a single time. Does not speak once. Uh, as we see in the next scene, which is over dinner, where nobody's talking, uh, the child finishes up her food first, and then she uh, leaves the room, and Tenma asks Hugo about her, and Hugo reveals that uh, she's neither his daughter nor granddaughter. Uh, she's instead the child of a woman he killed in Myanmar on an assignment, uh, and she was there at the time, and we see a sort of... We see a little flashback of it, but we, you know, there's not a lot of detail. You just see that um, the uh, the mother was holding a rifle and was shaking and saying, you know, stay back. And then you hear gunshots. Like it's very tastefully done given the subject matter. But he he said that uh, he couldn't just leave her there. But since that day, she's never smiled, and she'll probably die hating me. I mean, yes. Uh, and he said, oh yeah. Had he um, hesitated for a second, he would have been the one who died. And that is what happens when you have a gun. If you can't handle that, I suggest you don't carry one. So we cut to a training montage. And over time, the girl keeps watching Tenma, not just during the jump rope, but as he's running around, you know, cross-training, etc., and eventually, Hugo orders him to do the daily routine, and then when he's done, meet him at the bottom of the hill. Well, what's down there? The firing range. And we get one of the most crucial lines of the series. Remember, whenever you fire the gun, pull the trigger twice. Two shots raises the odds that you get your target. And then... Things, uh, things progress. There's just a lot of montage through this sequence. Mm -hmm. uh, Tenma cooks for them one night to return the favor. It's a Japanese stew. He makes hand-carved chopsticks. Hugo does not have this down. The training intensifies. Quick draw. Weapon repair. He does, he does not have it down in an ultra-realistic way where you apply too much pressure. Yeah. And especially given that they are round potatoes, because we see that's the thing that he keeps slipping out of it. Mm -hmm. It's never chunks of meat or anything. It's the potatoes get away from him. Uh, the, the training intensifies. He's doing quick draw. He's doing weapon repair. He's doing accuracy. Everything that could keep Tenma alive against a killer. And before he leaves, the girl is following him one day, you know, again, and he helps her get a fallen bird back up to its nest. Quietly, in the forest, she smiles. So here's where we smash cut back to present day and Lungay's interview. So we go back to Lungay's interview in the present. Bernhardt tells the inspector that Tenma was a perfect student in accuracy, marksmanship. He had all of the fundamentals down. But until he pulls the gun out and shoots a real human, he can't tell if he'll actually be able to do it or not. It's a real coin flip. When asked if he knows where Tenma went, Bernhardt simply says, I cannot say. We cut back to the past. Tenma's leaving in the middle of the day, cooking a final meal, and he leaves the rest of his tuition money in a note thanking the pair for their help. At the dinner, the girl laughs at Hugo's failing attempt to use the chopsticks. Outside the station in the present, he greets her, and she smiles from under an umbrella. They leave. Somewhere else in the dead of night, Tenma is bundled up inside the back of a truck, moving to parts unknown. So the thing is, also, Hugo does get a little teary for a second in that shot. Yeah. Uh, which you might miss because it's raining, but yeah. In my AU, Tenma dies here because this truck is uh, driven by Albert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that would check out, I did out, not actually. know where that was going until you got halfway through the sentence and then it all clicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you know what's mm. funny though uh you know and i thought about this and i'm really still wondering about uh Lunge's angle here so we know already that probably i mean at least one of the victims related to these murders was shot uh mm -hmm. it was um yunkers was shot i forget if the other accomplice was shot or if he was just dead i yunkers wasn't 
was he shot in the head? Yeah, he was shot in the head in the parking garage. No, sorry. I was thinking about how he wound up at the hospital, not what happened after. Right. Yeah, he got hit by a car and then got shot in the right. parking garage. I would imagine that Lunge, being the detailed guy that he is, would probably think about this conversation and say, this guy had no idea how to handle a gun, well, and we've already had one body that was double-tapped very accurately. Junkers was um, messy. Right? Yeah, because he got clear- shot, He got shot in the head, uh, then he got shot in the chest, and then he got shot in the back. So, like, Junkers yeah. was clearly, like, very messy and not, like, very professional, which I think is what makes it believable for him. I thought the shots on the ground, like, once Junkers fell down that he got shot again, I thought he got hit in the head like it was a pretty accurate shot, but I maybe misremembered. No, you see a flashback of it in the, one of these episodes. Yeah, I just don't... I, maybe it's just also the angle of that particular shot because you're seeing it from the ground up towards uh, towards Johan. Well, the thing that Lungay doesn't know is that it seems, and from the perspective of the show, it is extremely implausible how the um, director and his toady were killed. And, mm-hmm. like, without the information that Johan did that, everything else makes sense for it to have been Tenma, right? Because the actual right. thing that happened is so preposterous, why would you go there? It's like a fucking Professor Layton plot. Yeah, well, I mean, like, why would yeah, why would you have the muscle relaxant? Where would you get that? How would you put that into the candy? Yeah, so like, I'm just curious. Like, does that does the point that it's clear that Tenma didn't know how to use a gun five months? It, you know, at that period of time, would that tip Lunge off as to whether or not Tenma is an accomplice or is just some other dude? You know, it's sort of unrelated. Right now, keep in mind. Lunge is operating on the idea that this is a crew, which right. he knows because right. there have been people like Junkers drawn in. Yes. So it doesn't have to all be Tenma, but he's definitely starting to narrow in on this guy is a central figure. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they also just ran into a bunch of patients who told them point blank, this guy wouldn't kill anybody. Yeah. But that's what people who just had life-saving surgery would say about a true. guy. True. True. And... I think it's two recording sessions down the line. We're going to get Lungay's theories. Okay. Yeah. Because at this point, they've really held that close to his chest, which makes Lungay very, um, you know, interesting to watch, despite the fact that he's just very charismatic, I think, as a character. Like, his presence it's is really. It's interesting to say awful. that the man who is all business and has no emotion is charismatic. I find, I find him to be like. Like you pay attention to him when he's on screen and like the way he talks and like the te- tenor of his voice, like his voice is very sort of low and steady. Like, I, I, think I don't know. He's gripping. I don't gripping. think that's okay, charismatic. Okay. Gripping is probably the better word to use there. But with that, we are on episode 10, a past erased. So we resume at a bar uh, in what we find out is a uh, Verdun, Germany, uh, Verdun, I guess. Jesus um, Christ, Fletcher. <laughs> I don't know. I don't speak German. I don't speak German. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, that's the line he Jesus Christed over. The sleazy dwarf from Twin Peaks is buying a drink. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, this could also have been Roman Polanski's uh, cameo in Chinatown. Oof. Also true, but I figured for a more pop culture relevant, I would go Fair. with that. Fair. Uh yeah, so this this guy's like is a scumbag. He's wearing a white suit and a red shirt. He looks like a gangster. He's got but the the thing is I'm not he's got this like buck tooth thing and he's got a yeah. ponytail. I I mean, he looks like a jackass, but I'm not sure how comfortable I am with that design. <laughs> I mean, that's I a thing about Urasawa's style. He he makes people distinct. You can pick up little details about their nationality, their life. This guy is a little skeleton-like imp yeah, who dresses like, like Scarface. Beaver. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> is he Canadian? No. No. Idiot. It's just a dumb His joke. name is Otto I know. I know, I know. It's just that he, <laughs> lo- he does look like a beaver. Like, that is his design. Now, if his name was Ottawa Heckle. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Zing. Damn it. Uh, 
Yeah, so he, he's buying a Manhattan, and he gives the bartender a hard time because the bartender forgot the cherry, which honestly is uh, charity because maraschino cherries are gross. And uh, he sucks on the toothpick as his lucky this charm. bourgeois right? pig over here. <laughs> it's just gross. It tastes like medicine. Too good Ugh. for fucking candy. Ugh. No, Luxardo cherries are good. <laughs> fucking little Lord Fauntleroy over here and his expensive cherries. Little uh, do we look, know that Chris's version of class warfare is, I'm just going to ship you a box of cherry cordials. <laughs> and I'm just going to dump them in the trash, because they're gotta gross. Got a mail bat and anthrax CD as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be funny. That actually would be a good joke. <laughs> no, but I'd have to go somewhere, so it's not going to happen. Well, that, that's how I know. Walmart a has a website. A <laughs> Who orders from Walmart? You disgust me. <laughs> if you're gonna buy him an offensive CD, buy censored anthrax. <laughs> anthrax is okay. Uh, yeah, they are. Scott Ian is fun. You know what's funny to me is that ACDC ever became popular when my man sounds like a fucking orc. I mean, that's kind of why he did. They were like yeah. the low class rock band. So funny. Look at funny. big balls. I've been going around my house and doing an ACDC impression lately because I was listening to uh, that Neil Sierra song, ACVC, and it makes me laugh every time. Are we, are we talking Bon Scott or are we talking Brian Johnson? I don't know. Bon Scott. Bon Scott. Okay. I don't think uh, oh. I don't think Chris knows any deeper than that. Nope. I, I think the, the uh, that sample is from later ACDC, but I don't remember. I'm just being a dick. <laughs> and I'm being a pedant. Anyway. Uh, also known as being a dick. <laughs> but being a dick with purpose. No. That is the most libertarian thing you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. Because any worse than that, oof. I'm not putting that in recording. What's next? Am I going to need a license to be technically correct? <laughs> Uh, anyway, Otto leaves the bar, uh, a councilman's mansion, uh, where his, uh, the councilman and his wife were both murdered. I, there's probably somebody else who died too, but they're not important. And, uh, he breaks in through the window and, uh, he sees the chalk outline of the bodies inside and he decides, you know, he's there to rob the place. Yep. And so he's looking for the safe that has all the good stuff. And he goes to uh, a door. I believe this would be to one of the studies. And yep. he pauses for a second because he, he gets a, a, a chill feeling that somebody is on the other side of the door. And before he decides what to do, uh, Tenma draws on him with a gun from behind and says, hands behind your head. And uh, they, they chatter back and forth, uh, but before anything can escalate further, uh, the police arrive with their sirens blaring, and the men flee uh, out the back and then run back into town. So in an alley in Verdun, the pair go to split with heckle, you know, heckling Tenma. Oh, yeah, you're, you're probably the killer. I've heard about your rep. But he goes, but I've also heard you're a doctor, right? I got a way we can both make some cash. And when that does nothing to sway Tenma, Heckle also goes, but I also saw who killed the old man, if you want that info. Just do me this favor and I'll let you know who the guy is. And he accidentally lets it slip that it is not Johan when Tenma asks, was it a blonde man? And Heckle's like, what? Mm -hmm. The lead takes them to a small apartment across town. The guy is holed up on the third floor. Heckle says he'd been casing the mansion for a month prior to the robbery. He was really going to go in, make this smooth. And then one day while he's scouting, some asshole goes in, shoots the couple, and ruins his whole plan. Mm -hmm. He followed him away so we could blackmail the guy later because Otto Heckle is a scoundrel, but mm -hmm. a smart man when it comes to criminal dealings. Tenma proceeds to head inside the place and confront the gunmen against Heckle's urging. I'll take it And this guy, this guy is broken inside. He's just head down in a barren apartment with a pistol between his legs and his sunken hands. Yeah, there's this um, extremely uncomfortable speech from the killer. 
In the uh, middle of it, Heckle inserts himself into the room as Tenma asks a few questions. Uh, he asks, did a man ask you to do this 20s blonde hair? Oh, yeah. Eric had such a beautiful smile. Uh, the gunman says Eric had been staying with the councilman for some time. Heckle calls bullshit. He was casing the joint and never saw him. Uh, apparently the gunman had also been there. He has a photo with the three of them. So he'd like clearly befriended the uh, councilman and his wife. The whole thing that set him off with Eric prodding him on is that one day the councilman pulled up a patch of sunflowers to expand his driveway. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, that's it? <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, it, it definitely gets... That seems to be, like, the inciting incident, yeah. and then the mistress thing comes up. Yes. That seems to be, like, that is the, the nerve that um, really touched him. Eric on. wanted to erase his past, remove himself from the councilman's family. Would this would his friend be a deer and do that with his gun? Uh, and then he agreed. Heckle asked if the gunman knew where the safe was in the house, and he's just like, oh, yeah, it was upstairs. And Heckle's like, all right, peace later. You should get out of here, by the way. Wait, is the, is the mistress thing mentioned in, in the notes here? I'm not seeing it. Okay. It is not. We can go into it if you like, but it well, kind of doesn't play in. Well, I, I think it plays a huge part because to me, the, the flowers are like, I mean, I, that just seems like a weird, like, oh, that's a weird thing to kill somebody over. And then he later mentions that the councilman had a mistress and that really pissed him off because he himself is the son of uh, someone's mistress. So and I think some of that that background was another motiv- a major motivating factor as well. There's actually no proof of a mistress he says that he's mentioning the flower thing as a gripe in discussion with Eric. And Eric's like, that is terrible. You should, you know, someone should do something about that. And that's when Eric suggests there was a mistress. We don't hear a name of a mistress. Oh, okay. No one was involved. This was the prodding I was mentioning that yeah. Eric just gets this guy riled up with a weapon and points him in a direction. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's to say that Eric is extremely manip- manipulative, but I don't know, like, because that's a, my first reaction to the flower thing. It's like, really? That's it? And then when the mistress thing hit, I'm like, okay, that could definitely drive someone to be more murderous. Yeah, he he winds him up, gives him the weapon, and says, here's what needs to be done. It would be great if someone did it. Mm-hmm. Well... As Tenma leaves, the man tells him that Eric left him a message saying he knew you'd come here. So he left you a message at the estate. He also said your fate has been decided. And so is mine. And then he raises the gun to his head and fires. And it's a real stark shot because they don't cut away until the noise. And then they come yeah, back and comes show back the in like, oh, shit, is my is, yeah. is my free lunch? OK, it is the evening again when. They return to the councilman's estate. Heckle does indeed get to crack the safe, and we just see him counting money going like, I don't know why you'd kill yourself. It's so much nicer being alive. And Tenma <laughs> gives the really callous, yeah, this is the first time I've agreed with you. Hey, what do you mean the first time? <laughs> in the uh, in the edibe, in the uh, subtitles, it says, I guess sometimes you do say things that are worthwhile. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, just fucking owned. This is great. It is a really good moment. Just because this is the first heckle is just so offended by this. But uh, Tenma pulls down a portrait in the dark, and there is just this message scrawled on the wall underneath. Doctor Tenma, can you see? Can you see? The monster inside me is growing, and. Tenma is horrified. It's like, he's. this is just a game. How could someone be this horny? <laughs> this is just a game to him. But after this, they, they go back to town, they get out of the crime scene, and Tenma tries to split off before Heckle has already gone one step ahead of him. A man with a gun shepherds him inside a car because, quote, your first patient is waiting. At an unknown location... Tenma discovers his patient is a terrorist who committed an attack that morning. We've actually seen mention of this on some news in the background prior. But he refuses to operate on the man, gun to his head or not. Meanwhile, back at the bar they're supposed to meet at, 
Heckel is being wrung out by two loan sharks. He's about to lose a limb or two when the news comes on, revealing that Tenma's clients are wanted with a massive bounty. Doctor be damned, he tells the men, Hey, I can get you your money right now. Everyone's happy. So, I mean, I, I wonder why... I mean, we don't know how much money was in that save, but, I mean, look, just give him some money. You have money in your pocket. <laughs> what? Why just say, I'll give you money later and be like, why don't I just give you, like... Like half. See, or the idea that you're like, I should give someone money is why you don't have any money. <laughs> also, he has stashed the bag with the money at that point. He's not in the bar with the yeah. bag. I would imagine he at least had some cash on him. But Oh, he's got some cash yeah. on him, but it's not 250K. It's just, just, you know, when someone says, like, I'm going to break both your arms unless you pay me, it'd be like, well, I just got some money. So why don't I give you some money so you don't break my limbs immediately? <laughs> we also uh, don't know how much it is. Uh, he says two hundred fifty thousand. No, yeah. no, we don't know how much he got from the man. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I don't know that it was two hundred fifty k worth. Yeah, probably not. It was night on the town. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So there's a scene with uh, Tenma and the terrorist. Uh, the group is from East Germany, and their attack was meant to and uh, succeeded in killing the president of the German Water and Energy. Um, Department, department, corporation, corporation. Um, Sounds like a freedom fighter to me. (laughs) He definitely does get played a little ambiguous. Look, my man doing class struggle. Shout out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Other than the one detail at the end, they do kind of go, yo, this dude is uh, a real one. Uh, but he said when the when the wall fell, Tenma, Tenma is too much of a lib, unfortunately, for this. <laughs> yeah, because he lets them for live now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when, when the wall fell, uh, the West German uh, GWE moved in with their <laughs> with their capital and uh, bought up as much land as they could to establish a stranglehold on the East German utilities. And uh, the attack was in retaliation of that for everyone. Uh, because a lot of people who lost their homes and their jobs uh, because of this uh, land rush and presumably their lives and livelihood. Saluting. Uh, when he's done, uh, he says that he starts repeating himself. Oh, I want to die. I don't want to die. Uh, Tenma gets preachy before telling the goon, okay, now get me some supplies. Uh, I mean, it sounded like he wasn't going to be able to do shit for him anyway at first. Cause Tenma's like, Hey, the attack was four hours ago. Uh, you're probably going to die no matter what. Yeah, he hit an artery. Yeah. The man took a shotgun to the shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but Tenma ends up uh, patching the man up, uh, you know, with a with a scissor and a stapler. <laughs> yeah, the, the scene is not graphic, but the yeah. sound design does a lot to make it very cringeworthy. And you actually see his accomplice... Just kind of recoiling a little as Tenma's doing his work. Yeah, I would imagine, though, like, I'm surprised that the dude did not react at all to the staples. Like, he gets no reaction to getting stapled, like, four times. He's in shock by that point. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, But, like, they could have really milked that for more attention if they did that. Which I'm glad they did it, because uh, that sucks. (laughs) It looks bad enough getting stapled. You just see the accomplice's face, and that's all you need out of it. It's... Urasa was really good at subtle. You don't have to mm-hmm. go, wow, your arm looks like hamburgers. Just like, my dude got hit with a shotgun and they pierced an artery. And you can imagine the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Tenma picks uh, the guy up on his shoulders, like fireman carry style. And uh, the other guy with the gun says, what are you doing? Tenma says, I'm taking him to the hospital. And the guy says, no, I, I, you can't. I'll kill you. And Tenma's like, then you know, shoot me and then you take him to the hospital, <laughs> which is like pretty baller lie. And then, uh, so Tenma leaves. The guy lets him go. And uh, as the sirens come up the hill towards the house, uh, they're going through the woods and the patient asks Tenma to leave him. And Tenma puts him down against a tree and uh, Tara says, oh, I, I recognized your face. I know who you are. And starts making his case again and he said what what we didn't what we did wasn't uh indiscriminate killing like you because he assumes that he's the killer yeah uh, you know we got the president his bodyguards and some lackeys uh n- nothing unintended and 
Tenma uh, comes back at him and said, nobody innocent, huh? And uh, he says, oh, you mean the girl at the newsstand? So uh, he did end up killing a girl who was in the line of fire. Yeah. Tenma tells him when asked that uh, he saved the man because he believed that he was still a human uh, being after all. And um, both men urge the other to live and Tenma flees into the woods. Uh, we close on Otto Heckel uh, haranguing the doctor for not getting paid back in town. And while they walk down the street, Tenma hears the news. Uh, both suspects apprehended today were expected to put up violent resistance, but both men were captured without incident. And uh, so Heckel is going to uh, get a few uh, broken limbs at the end of this. Well, no, they the lead did yeah. bring them to capture him. They got the bounty. Oh, so he, oh, he got the bounty. Oh, because he called them to the... Yeah, he's the reason the cop showed up. Oh, that makes more sense now. Got Jesus it, got Christ. it, got it, got it, got it. No, I Yeah, I, the tip was if you have any information leading to these suspects. And right, that's so how he, he got so, the money. so so he played both sides. He sent the set the doctor for that pay and then also went and got paid on the on the other thing. Yeah, that's that why he's sense. so upset cuz he thought he was going to double down on this and he's like, "We're not a charity doc." Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. So that's the end of the episode. I'm going to wait for him to come back before I do the spiel. Yeah, I, I didn't think they made that super clear, but in retrospect, that does make sense. Are you fucking kidding me, Matt? I'm, I'm telling you. He didn't Immediate... say, by the way, here's your half of the money. They didn't. Uh, no, he didn't no, talk. He... no, Heckle's a scumbag, so he's not going to volunteer that he nearly got the doc arrested. He's just going to go, uh-huh. oh, yeah, I, I just got the money from earlier. Yeah, it, like, Tenma doesn't even know about any of that. I I thought what happened was... Tenma ended up blowing up the deal in his face, and so, like, he walked away with no money. But Well, he blew up the deal that he was going to get paid from the guy who did the shooting, not involved in the cop thing at all, because he yeah. was gone already. Right. Yeah, Heckle was trying to sell him out, and then when Tenma shows up, he's like, oh, man, double the luck. Uh, what do you mm-hmm. mean nobody paid you? <laughs> that makes more sense yeah. now. Heckle is a consummate scumbag. Respect. <laughs> uh, so with that done, any thoughts on this block? Uh, pretty kick-ass. Um, time jumps are weird. It makes it very hard for me to keep track of how far along we are from the um, original incident with Johan and the Haas now. Okay. Ten years. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the, uh, we're like a month shy. Continuing to appreciate the economy of uh, detail versus dialogue. I like, appreciate that a lot goes unsaid. You know, one of the weird things about this, at least these latter two episodes, is that after having Nina be such a focal point and like what seemed like a very, you know, very close to the killer himself, the fact that she just kind of disappears from the story at this point well, is a little weird. Um, but since it's Nina fine. is presumably pursuing Johan and so is Tenma now, like she will come back into focus later. I'm sure. But the thing is, Tenma has the ability to do so because he's a doctor and he made a lot of money. You know, he was the director of a hospital. He has the money. He doesn't have to work necessarily. I don't know how Nina manages to do that in the same way. You will get an answer. Okay. Uh, There's, there's a lot of things in this series where it's like, that doesn't add up. And pretty much anytime you have that question, expect that someone is going to tackle it, even if it'll have to weave in later. Mm Mm-hmm. Except for the original incident with the uh, doctors and the tranquilizer. That one is a little too iffy for me. It seems like it would take a lot of effort that would be hard for a child who's pretending to be in a coma. Comatose, yeah. Well, here's the thing. You already see that the hospital halls are pretty empty after dark. What's the thought that he couldn't sneak out? I'm not saying it's not justifiable. I'm just saying that is the most out there and unreasonable thing in the show. Okay. That's it. That's as far as I'll go. We will be back in two weeks with episodes 11 through 14, and we will follow the fate of the abandoned man and the abandoned woman. Good night. Peace out, fuckers. See ya.